Heavenly Father, we come before you today as your people. And we've gathered to worship you. We bring our lives into this space. We bring the ups and downs of the week. But we believe that gathering here is an act of acknowledging your place in our lives, your place in the world, and our relationship to you. And we do believe that we come and expect to hear you speak to us. Lord, may you help us train our ears and our hearts and our minds to listen. May we respond when you call. Speak to us today through this text from Jonah. We ask this in your son's name, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. That is the question all of us ought to consider. Does God speak today? Does he speak to us? Maybe some of you have had experiences or you've heard someone talk about when God spoke to them or when God did this or that. And I've grown up with those experiences. It's uh, in the people that I was around, second nature to hear someone say, well, God told me to do this or that. And it was one of those things that I didn't take for granted. I assumed they were genuine. But when I look at my own life, I ask the question, do I hear God speak? Do I expect him to speak? Do I listen? And as we looked at Jonah, Jonah comes down to God is speaking, and he's expecting the people he speaks to in some way to respond, right? Jonah starts with the sentence, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. It starts with God speaking. Do we expect God to speak? Does he speak? And as we look at this today, what we're going to see is actually, of course he speaks, but actually God awaits our response to his voice. He's already spoken and God awaits our response to his voice. So if you want to look at Jonah chapter 3 with me, we're going to explore the ways in which God speaks and expects or awaits our response. In the Pew Bible, it's page 1324. It will be up here on the screen as well, and we did just hear it, so it might be fresh for you. But let's take a look now again at this, how it starts. It starts with, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So notice, this is chapter 3, but I just read verse 1 of chapter 1. This is verse 1 of chapter 3. The only difference in verse 1 is this right here. So a second time is replaced with, I, Gavin, did you hit the button? I, I got it. You're, no worries. A second time is replaced with, uh, replaces Jonah's name. The word comes again. It's almost as if the book is starting over. And it's looking again at this story. It's going to restart. God is going to speak to Jonah again. And now Jonah has to decide how he's going to respond. Remember, what happened last week was Jonah was running from God and God saved him while he was lost. And then he put him back on the dry ground. And the question I asked at the end of last week was, you know, there's times when God does save us, but he puts us on the dry ground. And what do we expect? 
Well, I don't know what Jonah expected, but I'm sure he expected eventually this, that God was going to speak again. And this is what God says to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Again, almost identical to chapter 1. A couple differences. This is more positive. It's now a message I give to you instead of proclaim uh, the evil or their, uh, the state that they're in. I think verse 1 in the NIV says specifically, preach against it because of the wickedness that has come up before me or the trouble that they're in that has come up before me. Now it's more of a positive thing. But Jonah is supposed to go to Nineveh. God again meets him and speaks. And now the question is this, will Jonah respond? And how is Jonah going to respond? Because God has spoken to him. God awaits our response to his voice. But of course, for all of us, Jonah was a prophet. He was good at listening. Are we even able to listen? Before we can respond, we have to learn to listen. So what is it that John is going to do this time? Is he going to run again? Or is he going to do what God asks? And I know we know the story, but let's still take a look. Verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city and it took three days to go through it. So what we don't see here is that Nineveh was probably a 500-mile journey. So it would have taken a month for Jonah in the ancient world to travel that distance. And that's in a good month if the conditions are well and everything goes according to plan. So he goes to the city that we're told is large. Now the thing is we know Nineveh wasn't that large in the sense that we have an idea of at this time period when Jonah was there, we know how big it was. And it wasn't that big. It's described here as it taking three days to walk around it. But we know that you didn't need three days to walk around it if you're just walking in a circle. So whatever this means, we're not totally sure. But it can't mean that it's a huge city. But what it does mean, and, and what we don't see in the NIV that the actual says in, in the Hebrew is, that Nineveh was a great city to God. Which has a different meaning. What it probably means is that it was important to God. And yes, Nineveh was an important city. But it wasn't a huge city, but it was an important city to God. Now why this matters is, remember, this is the Hebrew Bible. This is the story of Israel. When we read the Hebrew Bible, it's easy to just read how God only seems to care about the Israelites. But that's because we're not actually reading carefully. There's an entire book designated to God caring about Nineveh. And because he cares about Nineveh, and it matters to him, he wants his message to go to Nineveh. And there's this other detail about it being three days to go through it. What this most likely means is that it would have taken three days for the visit. Either since Jonah would be coming as a prophet, maybe he'd be received as an official visitor. So it would take three days to go through the process of being received, hearing an audience with the government, and doing other things. Or it could just mean that it took three days for him to go to place to place. I mean, I think about in Decatur alone, in I guess in Adams County, the things I know, people go to the Monroe Deli in the morning to get their information. And people used to go to McDonald's to get their information. So if Jonah had to speak both places, he's going to have to go around. Who knows how many other places people go to get their information in the ancient world. Jonah would have to go to all those places. So Nineveh could have been big enough that it takes three days to get there to those places. But it doesn't mean that he had to walk in three days' time. 
But it was not a quick visit. It was going to take Jonah a while. Now, the three days becomes important here in a minute. But Jonah is going and he's proclaiming this message. So let's see what happens when he gets there. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So he's on that first day of the journey, whatever that looks like. Either the first day he gets there and he's meeting with some important officials. He's saying, okay, I'm this person from Israel. I have a message for your kingdom. And they're, they're taking information. Or he's going around to all the spots or maybe a combination of both. And it's the first day. And this is the message. Remember, God says, I will give you the message. We don't know what God tells him. We just know what Jonah says. And this is what he says. He says, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So the message is not a happy one. It's not even a, you can repent. It's a, in 40 days, you're going to be destroyed. There's no, 40 days, if you repent, you might be okay. You better watch out if you don't turn from your ways. It's just, a, you're going to be destroyed. So now, the second time in this passage, God is speaking. First he spoke to Jonah, now he's speaking to Nineveh. God awaits our response to his voice. So the question, of course, is, how is Nineveh going to respond? But the question we also ask ourselves is, is God speaking to us? Are we able to listen and then respond? So how does Nineveh respond? Are they going to ignore Jonah? Are they going to listen to Jonah? Are they going to kill Jonah? All of those are options. Of course, we've read the story. Verse 5. The Ninevites believed God. So they heard the story, they heard the message, and they believed. Now is this a random thing that for an ancient Near Eastern city, a city in that ancient time, to listen to a message from a foreign prophet? Now it might seem strange to us, but in the ancient world, prophets and the way of the gods was just the way that you thought about the world. So they would have assumed that there's gods that we don't know about that could be unhappy with us. Those gods could, in fact, influence our lives. So when Jonah comes, if the scenario is right, Nineveh would listen. Specifically if, the, and we know Nineveh during this time frame, during Jonah's lifetime, was struggling. They had some bad kings. So if with the struggles of the king, and then if they had some omens, now omens are like natural disasters and things that people would read out of. It's like a, a form of um, like sorcery or trying to uh, tell the fortune or read the future. You would maybe look at, oh, there's an earthquake here. There's a solar eclipse there. There's these things in the stars. And it could be that in Nineveh, they have some of these bad omens that they think are bad. And then they have this message and they're like, oh, wow, this lines up. We better listen. Whatever happened, they believed. So Nineveh hears God's message and they believe. So now they're going to respond. God awaits our response to his voice. God wants us to respond when he speaks. Why else would God have sent Jonah to Nineveh unless he wanted them to respond? If he was just planning on destroying them, why would he need to tell them? He wanted them to respond. God speaks because he wants us to hear. So of course, though the question becomes, well, how do they respond? Let's keep going in verse 5 here. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. So they respond by fasting. 
from the least to the greatest, from the poorest to the richest people, everyone responded. Now, sackcloth was a way of showing mourning and regret. So they're dressing and they're having their bodies reflect how they feel. They want to respond strongly. Basically, this is a strong response to the message. The strongest response they could give in the ancient world. So Nineveh says, let us repent and turn from our ways because of what this message is said. God awaits our response to his voice. And Nineveh responded. But there's more. Not just the people. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. And then he issued this proclamation. Even the king responds. He gets off of his throne. He takes off his royal robes. And he puts on sackcloth. He gets in the dust with his people. And he also mourns and fasts. Now what's interesting is, if we think about the story of Jonah, now there's two times in Jonah where non-Jewish people have responded to God in a stronger way than a Jewish person. Now remember, Jonah heard the word of God and he ran. And he wasn't scared during the storm. But the sailors were terrified and they were more like an Israelite should act than Jonah. They worshipped God. They gave Yahweh sacrifices because they wanted to make sure that they did everything they could to respect and fear Yahweh. But Jonah didn't. Now, Nineveh is fearing God. Their response was stronger than Jonah's in the verse before, or in the chapter before. And if we look at Israelite history, up to this point of Jonah's lifetime, never had an Israelite king responded like this to God's warning. Never had the Israelite people responded to God like this whenever he warned them of destruction. Never did they repent in this way. So we see Nineveh and non-Israelite people responding in a way that not even the Jewish people responded. And the king wants to make a proclamation because he wants to say something about what he's heard. So this is what he says. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. So Nineveh's king even makes it official. He says, let everyone fast, even the animals. We're going to make sure that we do everything we can to repent because we have done something wrong. And then he even tells the people, let us urgently repent. He urges them to do everything in their power to return to God. Nineveh's king might not have known exactly what to do. He told the animals to fast. Some people view that as his ignorance of what God expected. But it's not about doing it right. It's about the heart. And he was very in to repenting. He wanted his kingdom to do everything they could because they heard God's voice and they responded. God awaits our response to his voice. But there's even one more thing that the king knew and said. Right here, verse 9. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. 
The king of Nineveh knew something very important. He knew that even though they were relenting or repenting, it did not mean that God would relent or turn from the judgment. But he says, who knows, maybe God will have compassion. The king knew that there's no guarantee that God would act in their favor. Because he knew that God was not under the control of any human. And that humans have no way of compelling God to do anything. Instead, we are reliant on his mercy. What's interesting is there's almost this exact same line in a different prophet. In Joel chapter 2, verse 14, Joel said almost the same thing to Israel. He said, judgment is coming, but if you rend or tear your hearts and respond, perhaps God will relent and bless you. This is such an important point. We know that God wants awaits our response to his voice. And we know that this entire book is about responding to God. But what's so important is the way that we respond. We need to know that no matter what, God is independent of us. He doesn't require us to do anything for him to act. We can't control him. Now, Jonah found this out because he wanted to try to control God's will whenever he ran. And next week, we see the end of that story. We see the real motive for Jonah, why he ran. But Jonah wanted to say, God, you want me to talk to these people. I don't want them to hear your voice, your message. I'm not going to go. But no one can stand in the way of God's will. And so God acted. Humans cannot control God. He is completely independent of us. We can't do anything to evoke a response from him. And what I mean by that is there's not something that we can do that will control him. There's not something that he's waiting for us to do in order for him to act. Instead, he purely is independent of us. But the flip of that coin is that he wants to have that relationship. So he wants us to listen. He wants us to ask. He wants us to respond. He wants there to be a conversation. But us responding to his word is not something that he needs for us to do before he can act. He acts independently. But he does await our response to his voice because he wants us to respond. So Jonah does respond to God's voice this time. So does Nineveh. Jonah is obedient. Nineveh repents. But now the question remains, well, how does God receive Nineveh? When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Of course, when God saw them repent, he did relent. Why would we expect anything different? We've sat here with the whole story of Scripture. We've heard it over and over again. God wants his people to respond to his voice. God awaits our response. 
And of course, when Nineveh responds, he's going to act. And Jonah knew that. Next week, we get to see Jonah angry at God because he knew how God would respond. And that's the real reason he didn't want to go. But of course, God responds because he speaks to us because he wants us to respond. So are we ready to listen to God's voice? Do we even know how to listen to God's voice? Now, I wish I could tell you how to listen better. It's something that I've taken a great interest in recently. It's an interest that started in seminary for me. And now I've returned to some books and some, some things I was doing in seminary to try to really learn how to hear God's voice. Because what I believe is that he speaks to each of us, right? We have the Holy Spirit living in us. The Spirit speaks to us. And we can learn to listen to God. But it just takes practice. But what I do know is that it starts in Scripture. So if there's one thing we should do is we should have this on our hearts. Because this is where we, for one, how do we know that Jonah, and how did Jonah know, and how do we know, like Jonah, that God is going to uh, spare Nineveh? Because that's the way the story always goes. How do we know that? Because we've read the story and put it on our hearts. And that's the starting place. But it's in the story where God speaks to us and from the story that he then speaks into our lives. How is God speaking to you today? Maybe you need to be obedient like Jonah. We all need to be obedient. But maybe we need to repent. And probably often we need to repent. And any other number of things maybe that we need to do. But God is speaking and God awaits our response to his voice. But in the midst of all that, we cannot forget that we can't control God. But we do get a partner with God. But God is going to act according to his character and according to his will. We can ask him for things. He wants us to ask. But when we ask, we do not in some way have power over him. He acts on his own. He wants us to be obedient. He wants us to repent. He wants us to follow the way of Jesus. He wants to show us how to do that. He has given us his spirit to live in us so that we can learn to listen and act as he is asked. God awaits our response to his voice, but we must learn to listen and respond. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today as your people. And we hear this story about Nineveh responding to your voice. When we hear this story, we wonder, do you speak to us? And while it's easy for us to look at some of the stories in Scripture and see you speaking in clear and vivid ways, it's hard for us to know actually what it looked like for Jonah to hear your voice. Maybe he had to spend years practicing to be able to discern your spirit in his life speaking. And it might seem easy for Nineveh to hear this message and believe it. It maybe took a lot of work for them to have the humility to acknowledge maybe this message was true. Whatever it is in our lives we need to hear, may we learn to hear it 
May we internalize your word so that you can speak through us more clearly and to us more clearly. And may we learn to respond. And we ask this all in your son's name, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.